0: Yeah, important message there from uh, Minister DeLille. And uh, you would have certainly seen many of these emails coming and saying, hey, request for quotation, even in some cases, uh, you know, trying to, uh, I guess, uh, say they are a certain department when they are not. Let's exercise the necessary vigilance. And I think in the case of many of these websites, uh, yeah, you would do well to check the uh, email address. Because in some cases, uh, you're going to find it's not gov.za but an entirely different one, even though some of the logos and the letterheads uh, might replicate and emulate some of those of the government departments. But uh, certainly a stern message, and I guess just like the one with the SABC. Coming to do uh, television license inspections and all manner of other things. Let's shift uh, to our under-the-microscope discussion this evening. Uh, we we're going to be catching up with Busisiwa Kamulane, the research coordinator at CALS, which is the Center for Applied Legal Studies, based out at WITS. And we're going to be talking about, uh, I guess, the sobering reality of the continuing brutalization of activists, even in the post-apartheid period. And Musisiwe joins me now on the line. Musisiwe, good evening to you and welcome. Musisiwe. Hi, am. Yes, yes. Are you with us? Good evening yes, to you.
1: I am with you. Good evening, Aya. Good evening to your listeners.
0: Yes, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I guess we we'll see. Where very few South Africans need reminding that even after 1994, we've seen at times the merciless killing of activists by uh, you know uh, the armed forces of the state, mm-hmm. in particular the police. If you mm-hmm. think back to Andres Tatane in 2000, uh, I just forget the year. It was the early 2000s. Uh, You think about uh, what uh, later happened in Marikana, what -hmm. has happened in many municipal-level protests. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems when we have the discussion, the focus is always solely on the training of the police as an attributing factor, rather, I guess, than talking about just the culture of policing in general.
1: Mm -hmm. And You see, the problem as well, Aya, is that these... Systems, the policing, etc. These are systems that are supposed to be used to protect the public. These are systems that are supposed to be used to support democracy and all you know the systems that are part of democracy, that are part of public participation, etc. But when these systems are used against people, when these systems are used to oppress people, when these systems are used you know to silence people, the way that they have been used, it's it's of it's course. Alarm. It's a serious cause for mm. alarm, and I mean, if uh, looking at like you were saying with Marigana, looking at even what's happening present day in in the communities that we work with, with activists particularly, we find that you know many activists are forced into hiding. Many activists are afraid to do the work that they do because of these forms of victimization, including the use of the police to victimize them and to silence them um Ooh. the use of force at peaceful protests you know the use of um of police to arrest so called problematic um protest leaders or so called problematic leaders within communities to arrest them and um, you know just to let them go later on because no charge Ooh. can stick upon them but with the sole purpose of delegitimizing their cause with the sole purpose of you know stigmatizing the activists as well and
0: um, it, it's a cause for serious concern. I mean, I guess, you know, for me, um, just as you're talking, one of the things that comes to mind is maybe a slightly philosophical point, which is, mm. uh, you know, many of us had expected that the police would be what you had said earlier on, right? Uh, the people who protect us and make sure, you know, that we're secure in our homes and all manner of other things. But we know that in the post-colonial world, You know, uh, the configuration of police as an institution in the society is effectively about safety, I guess, for, you know, the white settler and maybe, um, I guess, you know, uh, the hounding out and the punitive measures visited on the native. We seem to not have resolved that. I mean, if I look at the class, gender and even the racial composition of the people who've been on the receiving end of this violence, (laughs) In many cases, it certainly hasn't been the white affluent types that mm-hmm. maybe live in Houghton, Santon or, or, mm-hmm. or anywhere else.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you see, I think the, the biggest issue here that, you know, we, we can't gloss over is the fact that, you know, the criminalization of protesting and the way that it happens, the brutalization of protesters, for example, um, it, it relates to poor black people. Um, And and the fundamental reason for this is is really how the state relates to the working class, how the state relates to poor black people. Um, Protests done by by, uh, poor black people are called riots um mm. poor black people are the ones that are killed. Whereas um, when that it's are white st- people
0: it's a picket, right? Exactly. Yeah, when
1: it's, it's nice white pickets. people it's a picket. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so these <laughs> are the these are the kind, how does the state relate to poor black people? And and as soon as the state, you know, has that kind of relationship with the people, it gives sort of society um the permission to treat Uh, Poor black people in the same way as well. Um, Mm. We saw a lot of this happening as well during the level five, level four lockdown of how police, soldiers, etc., would really abuse their power, especially in the townships. Um, It would be reports of how you know police um, um, is unfair to people, um, um, arresting people, you know, shooting people, Mm. um, and all sorts of abuse of power that's happening, particularly in the townships, particularly in poor communities where this is happening, but you don't get reports of the same thing happening in suburban areas, etc. So we need to really question um, um, how is policing done and why is there a difference between the way that policing is done um with poor black communities as opposed to the way that policing is done in more affluent um mm. areas and as soon as we begin to to answer these you know deep underlying questions that is so, where we will begin to come up with the solutions of what kind of police reform really should mm. take place? You know, start yeah. answering the question of what is protest violence really, sure. um, and and how and how is the policing of protests really happening in a in a mm. way to respond to what's happening on the ground as opposed to fueling sure. you know violence that's happening in in protests. Okay,
0: Busi, I want us to take a brief break here, and uh, when we come back. Uh, on the other side of the spot break. Uh, We'll continue to to just unpack, I guess, you know, some of the more legal dimensions uh, to ensuring that uh, all of us, as we continue to exercise our right uh, to freedom, to uh, uh, self-expression and to dissent, uh, that uh, we continue to understand the laws that protect uh, our ability to do so. We'll take this brief break and uh, when we come back, we continue with our conversation with the Kamolane Research Coordinator at CULS, which is the Center for Applied Legal Studies out at Witts University. We're under the microscope this evening. Nine minutes it is uh, before uh, nine PM. My guest is Busiswa Kamolane, research coordinator at the Center for Applied Legal Studies out at WITS. Now, Bussi, uh, we'll I guess we've spoken about you know, some of the inequity of uh, the police as a service because I guess mm-hmm. there's also that dynamic. We, we still haven't grappled with the fact that you know, this is the South African police service, it's no longer the South African mm-hmm. police force. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess you know, with that comes a recognition of how a police service ideally should be responding mm-hmm. to forms of participatory c- citizen engagement uh, such as protests, such as what people would call riots or pickets or whatever. Um, what becomes the role of an organization like KALS in making sure that uh, in instances where people cross the line or there's uh, certainly a systemic failures in discharging that service and obligation, uh, that uh, people's rights are protected in that instance?
1: Mm-hmm. So, you know, organizations such as we um, work a lot with um, the right to protest So we'll do um, one-on-one responses. So rapid response to activists, for example, that are arrested and fairly arrested or that need to be moved in certain instances we will find that activists are so severely victimized within their communities that we have to find them um, places where they could be moved um, elsewhere. So we will do one-on-one responses like that, but what is... Also very important to the work that we do is try to create these systematic changes, you know. So it will be kind of looking at what is wrong with the system and in what ways does the system need to reform. And to, in order to do this, we of course have to engage um with the state, um, we have to engage with the police, we have to engage with other stakeholders to kind to to, to you know, make them aware or conscientize them about how problematic this is and sort of a partner with them or critically partner with them in trying to find solutions to this. Mm. And so as much as we, we want to respond, you know, on a case by case basis, I think it's so important to also look at how does it change systematically? How do we change the the rot that's at the core, um, And how do we the state in one way or another to exercise proper oversight um, and to change the way that it does things, so that you know the, the the entire way that policing is done, not just for our clients directly, but for people all around the country, for it to change on that high level as well.
0: Should we, should we be surprised here, Busi? I mean, coming as I say once again from the history that we come from, mm-hmm. should we be surprised that um, you know? the way in which the lack of resourcing, lack of training, Mm -hmm. lack of many other things on the supply side of this policing service Mm -hmm. um, ends up, I guess, reproducing uh, the cultures of old, uh, of hierarchical structures, command, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, where it is said to you, you know, you comply with the command now and ask questions later. Mm -hmm. Um, Should it surprise us that, you know, the chain of command and the resourcing of the service in its current state makes it easier to just maybe go back to what you used to, which is effectively to terrorize a certain group of people and provide a service to another.
1: Mm, It's not surprising, you know, it's not surprising that we are in this situation. And I think what also makes it or exacerbates the situation is the fact that we have all of these instances where um, big things have happened. That have made us put into question the way that, um, policing is done. And I mean, mm-hmm. big events such as Marikana, um, things that really are out there in the public eye that make us question what's happening with the police. And so there's been many opportunities to, to introspect. There's been many opportunities to find ways to, to, to change things. But it seems that there is a reluctance. Um, to to really bring about that change it seems that there is a if it's not a reluctance I think it's it's, it's dragging off feet and the problem with this is that while the policing service um, the government etc are dragging their feet in creating change people's lives are being impacted people are dying literally um people's lives are changed forever negatively mm. and so at which stage then, Um, Are we really going to um, not just demand the change or create commissions of inquiries and then nothing happens, but when is there going to be real action that results in tangible change that communities can see, that the public can see? And I think this is why, you know, the work that we do is so important because we keep banging down on those doors to demand that kind of change, keep banging down on those doors to even say, Mm. look, this is the way that reform could possibly be done. Consider doing this and consider doing that. Um, But the sense of reluctance to implement or the sense of reluctance to even think about ways of implementing change, Mm. it's problematic. It's problematic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, I mean, the practical side of, of our conversation for many of the activists, uh, both current, past and, and would-be activists that are listening into the show, is the kind of uh, access that they could potentially have in instances where they need it to organizations like yourselves, you know, and many others who mm-hmm. work in the public interest litigation space, um, in effect, really, I guess, you know, contributing to the reclamation of some of the rights that many people have uh, certainly haven't enjoyed. How do they do that, um, and where could they potentially access some of the resources that effectively would allow them to access much-needed legal support as and when they need it?
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, if you go on the uh, CALS website, so that's www.viz.ac.za forward um, slash all of our details and information um, is there. Um, we're also able to connect you with um, an organizations that we work in critical partnership with, such as the Right to Protest, um, that will give direct responses like bail applications for um, activists who are arrested during protests uh, and things like that. We also um, form part of other organizations where we provide services to organizations such as the Legal Resource Center, mm-hmm. um, the Center for Environmental Rights, a real coalition of, of organizations that also, you know, work together to try to respond to things as they go along. And, um, sure. and really it's, it's forced us, this lockdown has also forced us to really work, um, even closer together to make sure that people have, um, rapid responses, um, to organizations such as Cal's. Um, during such a time of lockdown where there is a heightened, you know, violation of human rights, there is heightened mm-hmm. police brutality, heightened military um brutality for that matter. And I think as well what 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 I've, what we haven't mentioned is also kind of the way that the the, the, the policing system puts activists into the criminal justice system, and that that whole process as well, the way that that results in a whole entire victimization mm. of activists as well, um, and, and and the reform of the criminal justice system, which is a whole other thing in and of itself. But we try to you know respond to these kind of issues, people that are already in the system but shouldn't be in the criminal justice sure, system. Sure. Um, people who are, um, we find that activists also get, um, uh, what we call slapsuits, um, mm. you know, for speaking out, for things like that. And so they get defamation cases against them or interdicts against them with huge cost orders and things like that. And so working as well behind the scenes to try to help activists that are in this kind of situation um, um, to to get those interdicts against them overturned to cover the costs. Um, that are enormous, that follow these interdictive defamation mm. cases, which are really meant to, you know, demobilize them, which is meant to get them to stop dissenting. Um, mm. So we also try to provide that kind of assistance as well.
0: Okay. Wussi thank you very much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, I certainly hope that many of our listeners, especially those uh, who are, uh, I guess, uh, activists in their own right, Probably want to bookmark this conversation uh, for the day when they might be able uh, to uh, access some of your services. But uh, I'd like to thank you for joining us this evening and uh, continue to wish you all of the best in the work that you guys do uh, out at KALS Advitz.
1: Thank you, Aya. Thanks to your listeners.
0: That there was Musisiwa Kamulane, research coordinator.